nothing new under the sun. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the sermon from the fifth Sunday of Easter, May 15th, 2022, from Christchurch, Jerusalem. Jesus commands us to love as he has loved. Reverend Aaron Imey reminds us that Jesus loved us, not from a place of comfort, but from a place of risk. You are invited to a unique trip to Poland, formerly the home of the largest Jewish community in the world. Join us this August as we embark on an in-depth study tour of this once vibrant Jewish community that flourished for almost 1,000 years before its tragic demise. This tour, led by David Pelegi, will take us through a wide swath off the beaten path through eastern and southern Poland, from Warsaw to Bialystok, from Lublin in the east to Krakow in the south. We will visit beautiful medieval cities, castles, synagogues, churches, and abandoned cemeteries to better understand the historical context of the Polish Jewish experience and the ways that Poles and Jews have deeply influenced each other. We will not ignore the traumatic events of the two world wars and will devote a considerable portion of our time to discussing the final solution. We will use the insights of historians to help us understand why and how so many ordinary Germans became willing accomplices in the murder of Poland's three million Jews. This study tour is designed to help us better our prayer life, sharpen our stand against anti-Semitism, and hopefully give us more courage to be faithful witnesses as Christians in our opposition against the idolatry and deceptions of our day. Join us August 6th through 17th, 2022, for this walk through history. Land cost is 1,749 euros, less than $1,900 US. For details and to register, visit narrowbridgetour.com. Narrowbridgetour.com. There's now a switch in our worship where instead of us talking to the Lord through our prayers and our declarations and singing, God speaks to us. So let's open our ears and hear what the, the Word of God has to say through His Word and through His preaching. The first reading is Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, 
and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who was called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading this morning comes from Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Holy Gospel according to John. This is taken from the 13th chapter of John's Gospel. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. 
Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know we told everybody to turn your cell phones off. I want to keep the timer on mine. Is that okay? That's for uh, your protection. It's true. If I haven't figured out how to give the gospel in 22 minutes, I've got to get off. All right, friends, let's pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge your presence, delight and long to hear your word. So may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, your people, may they be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, friends, we are in the season of Easter. I know you've all heard that before. And it's <clears throat> we're in a, a bit of time counting. For the Jewish people, it's called the counting of the Omar, just this daily rhythmic count. Add another one, add another one, so that we get to the Feast of Shavuot right on time. And we're in the middle, kind of, of this time counting. And the, the, the Christian calendar also counts time. Although sometimes we forget that it does that. And next Thursday, not the one coming, the one after, sorry, we will celebrate, or some of us will, the ascension of the Lord. Forty days after he rose, he ascended to heaven. It always falls on a Thursday. So traditionally, none of us go to church on a Thursday. So we often miss this incredible, powerful, and important event. The Messiah goes to heaven and intercedes for us right now. So in this time of Easter, we contemplate most of our readings, the resurrection with our time-honored greeting that he is risen. He's risen Hallelujah. And the resurrection is an event. Absolutely. It actually did happen. But as David constantly reminds us, the resurrection is also a person. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Now, this person is also a king. Now, we don't, not everybody likes kings. I do because I'm Australian. And you're Dutch. Excellent. Kings and kingship are unfortunately a little foreign to some parts of the world. But I'm going to say one actual factual thing in my sermon, and this is it. Kingship is the only form of government that's actually in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that quick, we should all quickly dismantle our democratic republics, although that might be a nice idea. Um, we believe, you and I, that we have a king who is alive. And in kingdoms, the kings give commands. And today, we have a, a special look at a command from the Lord. 
In the last couple of weeks since the resurrection, our resurrected king has breathed the spirit onto the disciples. We've wrestled in our sermons with fear. The disciples were in, in, in a room afraid. We wrestled with this idea of fear being a really strong enemy of the gospel. Because when we're afraid, we don't do anything. And the enemy is quite happy for us to be sitting in that uh, realm. We've also discussed the good shepherd, that our king is a, is a good shepherd. A carer, a guide, a defender, a feeder, a sustainer. He's also a commander. And our king gives us the command to love. A new commandment, as we as we hear him say. In fact, it's quite interesting that in the New Testament, there's not a lot of new stuff in it, so that you actually have to say, this is actually new. And um, in our normal schedule of uh, the lectionary, this new commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you, is traditionally read on a Thursday during Holy Week. That's what Monday Thursday is. In Latin, nuvo mandatum, new mandate. It's the time of the calendar. We all get together and we read. Jesus say, I'm going to tell you something new. I want you to love. Now, love is uh, not new to the Bible. I mean, really, we've been told to love God, love our neighbor. There's lots of different love already there. This one is slightly different. And in all of our readings, the Acts passage, the uh, Revelation passage, and the the Gospel passage, there was, for me, when I was reading them, there was a, a common theme of new things. God was doing a new thing. Some Gentiles, a new thing with heaven and earth, and a new thing with love. And sometimes we bandy around this, God is doing new things to explain anything that we are doing, some of them not so good. Except that most of our new things aren't all that new. So let's begin with our Acts passage from Acts 11. And do you know the context, of course? Context is that Cornelius, a Gentile Roman, who is a God-fearer, That is, he goes to the synagogue, he prays, and he worships the Lord. And uh, his prayers and his good deeds have ascended to heaven. And he gets an angelic visitor. And the angel, now that he's got his attention, says, send some people and go and get Peter. Meanwhile, Peter also gets an angelic visitation and gets a vision sequence and gets angels telling him, make sure you go with the men who are about to arrive. And I always think, wow, this is what an interesting passage. There's, angels can do all kinds of great things. They can appear, they can talk, they can encourage, they can defend. But there's something that they don't do. Does anyone know what it is? They don't share the gospel. I mean, the angel had his attention right now. He could have said, Cornelius, sit down. Oh, sorry, you are. Okay, great. Let me tell you about this great guy called Jesus. I mean, he's up here with us right now, but, but he's, he was with you for a while. And I know you're a Gentile, but you actually do worship the Lord, and you should really come and you know, join our team. Instead, part of the plan of God 
brothers and sisters, is that you and I partake in the sharing of the good news. And we do it, yes, with angelic assistance. And we do it, yes, with the Holy Spirit. But you and I are the sent ones. Peter goes. You know the story in Acts 10. He just starts speaking, and as soon as he speaks, the Holy Spirit falls down, everybody gets saved. Absolutely fantastic. Seems like it's a bit of a shock to Jerusalem. And they summon him. They said, we need to have a little chat with you, Peter. And the text says that uh, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea and Jerusalem, they heard. And I remember sitting, when I read this passage and was discussing with some of our friends here at Christchurch, I thought, where were the apostles supposed to be, according to Acts chapter 1? Where are they supposed to be? They're supposed to be taking the gospel to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1. And by Acts chapter 11, they're still in Judea and Jerusalem. They're really taking their time. Now, they've had the Holy Spirit. Yes, they had Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Well, actually, they had it in John 20. <laughs> but they had another outpouring in, in Acts 2. And yet, they're still not quite out there. And they seem to have missed an ingredient, the Gentiles, which is a really nice thing to learn, that just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make you infallible. Isn't that a good thing to learn? None of us should have the hubris to think that now that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I know all truth. Brothers and sisters, we regather every week, sometimes several times a week, to reread the same scriptures, to wrestle again with these old commands that are new commands, but that, that to, re, to re-motivate us again, to get out there and, and, and pick ourselves up when we fall, to love again, because we need that reminding. I always find the apostles, the, the, the book of Acts, quite special because it reminds me that even though we fail, God doesn't fire them all and, and start again. You know that uh, he doesn't go, well, I've got a bunch of uh, Jewish disciples. They didn't quite do what I said. You're all failed. Big F. I'm going to choose the Chinese because they do everything I say. Right? Hundreds of millions of them, you know, believe in Jesus. There's more believers in China than in America and Canada put together. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. So God is doing something new. He's got these Gentiles involved. And the charge that the apostles and these new believers, these believers in Jerusalem um, discuss with Peter, they don't say, wow, Peter, you know, we heard this amazing report that uh, you went in and the Holy Spirit fell down on some Gentiles. Their response is, I heard you ate with them. Is that what happened? It's like, my gosh, what? You're full of the Holy Spirit and your charges. Did you eat with some Gentiles? Oh my word. Let's be let's be let's let's not let's be fair to the apostles. They had a master called Jesus, and they lived with him for quite some time. What did they see their master not do? He didn't he didn't eat with Gentiles. 
right? So it's just, we, 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 should, we, can't, we shouldn't we be a bit careful when taking a disciple and smacking him around the head and saying, come on, guys, you should know this stuff. Here's what we should have known, both you and me, but also them. Sacred history. And the sacred history of, of the text demonstrates that God has always, A, wanted to live with his people, and B, liked Jews and Gentiles together. We've just had Passover. And Passover was a very special event, which you still celebrate and reenact. And as Jesus says in Luke, I will celebrate Passover in the new kingdom, something we will do again together in the new world to come. But during Passover, we were told in the book of Exodus that you will take the blood of the lamb and you will sprinkle it on the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes and sees that blood, he will pass over. Now, if you knew that that was true, what would you do? You'd put some blood on your doorpost. What else would you do? You'd probably get inside. What else would you do? You'd probably get all your friends and family. And what else would you do? Some of us might even invite Egyptians. Some of us might say, hey, we'd better, um, better go tell that Egyptian he's got to get in here tonight. He goes up to the Egyptian, hey, sir, how are you? You don't like me, and quite frankly, I don't like you either, but you have to come to my house for dinner. We're having lamb. And in the morning, anyone inside that building was saved. And when the children of Israel left Egypt, who went with them? The mixed multitudes. Now, isn't that interesting? Egyptians woke up and said, wow, you loved me so much. I, I persecuted you. I whipped you. I beat you. I turned you into a slave. And you loved me so much, you would save me and my family. I'm coming with you. Your God is my God. So who was at the foot of Mount Sinai? Jews and Gentiles always meant to be that way. And the prophets, the prophets are constantly reminding the nation of Israel, you're meant to be a light to the nations. And the Psalms, hallelujah, dadonai, kologoyim, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, always were meant to be part of the plan. And this is one of the reasons why we constantly reread the Bible again and again and again. And one of the strengths of the lectionary is it makes us do it every three years so that we're constantly rereading because we too often forget. So let's, let's leave some of the apostles, uh, give, them a, give them a bit of a break. But the Gentiles are included now. God is doing a new slash old thing. So maybe the word new needs to have a, a new look at it. So turning to Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. What's wrong with the old one? I mean, um, isn't heaven perfect? Isn't it? Does God go, well, I'm going to make a new, new heaven. What's wrong with the old one? Nothing. I always find that interesting when, when thinking that God will make a brand new heaven. What happens to all those mansions that Jesus is building? Could you imagine Jesus, you know, is sitting there working and building lots of, lots of mansions? Why you need one in heaven is a really good question. What are you going to put in it? No, what are you going to do? I'm going to put my bed in my mansion. Why? You're getting tired in heaven, are you? Better protect you against the weather. 
is to hang a mirror there so you can comb your new flaming hair. I'm not 100% sure that the mansion really is what it means. Maybe, maybe we should rethink the Hebrew, there is to you a place in the world to come as opposed to a physical thing. Because I could just imagine Jesus you know, putting in that last final you know, white picket fence, going, ah, oh, it's all done. And, and God goes, okay, everybody out. What are you doing? I'm making everything new. I've been doing this for 2,000 years, Dad. And now you're making it like, what? So, yeah, I'm terribly sorry about that. Did you not read the end of Revelation? You had a lot of time. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps we should, again, think of it in its Jewish context. When I want to go and renew, uh, re- make my, get a new license, I renew my license. And you would say, Lechadesh. I want to renew my driver's license. Perhaps we renew heaven and earth. Remember, as Paul says, creation is groaning for its redemption, not its destruction. And as Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And as we see in Revelation, they eventually combine again. Heaven and earth meet for the very last time. And they live together in the way it's always meant to be. God has always wanted to come and live with his people. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Where was God before he made heaven? He didn't make heaven so that he had somewhere to sit. He made heaven, and then the first thing he did is he left it. He went down to talk to Adam. And I'm always fascinated by that story. God comes down in the cool of the evening and he talks with Adam, but he knows exactly what he's done. What, is, what does God need Adam to say? That's how much love God has for Adam. He says, you tell me about your day. I already know. I just like the sound of your voice. You tell me about your day. I'll tell you about mine, but I'll t- you tell me your, your day. This desire for God to dwell with his people when he gets them out of Egypt, the very first commandment is, you build me a tabernacle so that I can live in you. I want to live with my people. And God has always wanted to come and dwell. And Jewish people did wrestle with this, and they did think about these thoughts, about God coming down again and again and again. And so I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. Normally, when I preach, I bring up an icon, as most of you would know, but I couldn't find uh, an icon of Jesus, the lover. Um, but, but I did find uh, uh, the book of Baruch. So David, is it okay if you put it up? Now, in, uh, in just about, yeah, Baruch, in just about everybody else's Bible, uh, their Bibles are bigger. Protestants, we end up with the smallest Bible. And the book of Baruch is in part of Anglican lectionary. It's, it's read as a subset. You read the, the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, New Testament. You also read what we call Apocrypha. And um, you don't have to. But some of it is there to reflect on. And it's a, late, it's a Second Temple period text. It's, it's named after the scribe of Jeremiah. Possible he may have written some of it, but not all of it. But I wanted to point out some of the theology that you see in the late Second Temple period building up to, to the New Testament. 
If God is glorified, no, that's him. That's, uh, that's John. It's a good passage, though. This is our God. Oof, now we know. This is our God. No other can be compared to him. Sounds good so far. He found the whole way to knowledge, and he gave her to his servant Jacob. Now, don't get, don't get disturbed between the, the pronouns. I mean, this world is obsessed with pronouns. <laughs> but in Hebrew, as in many ancient languages, things are either masculine or feminine. And like the Holy Spirit is feminine, the Shekinah is feminine, and Torah is also feminine. Okay? So that's why she's called she here. Okay? When we're talking about the word of the Lord, you call her a she, because in Hebrew, it's feminine. Okay? And he gave her the word of the Lord to Jacob, his servant, and to Israel, whom he loved. Afterwards, she appeared on earth. Ooh. She, the Torah, she appeared on earth and lived among men. How do I know it's the Torah? She is the book of the commandments of the Lord. Interesting theology. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And you go, wow, where did they get this crazy idea from? From the Jewish people. The Gospels are Jewish texts. That she is the law that endures forever. All who hold her fast will live, and those who forsake her will die. Turn, O Jacob, and take her. Walk toward the shining of her light. But I just wanted to reflect again that God delights to live with his people. So we have a king living with us. A lot of the context of the Bible is community. God delights to call a people. God delights to live amongst his people. God delights to share his gospel with the people, through the people. And God also gives us a command because our word made flesh, our king lived amongst us. We saw his light and he gave us a new commandment. The commandment to love. Not just love, stun. We've already had commands to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. But this one is to love as the Messiah himself has loved. Now, in preparation for the sermon, of course, I read a couple of commentaries and you know, all that kind of stuff, got my Bibles off my bookshelf. But I was a little dis wasn't quite satisfied with, with the comment. Many of them said, love as Jesus has loved. He's going to lay down his life for his friends. Well, that's not new. Lots of people lay down their lives for their friends. You know, Muslims lay down their lives for their friends. Buddhists lay down their lives for their friends. Firefighters run into burning buildings to save lives, and not all of them come out. Policemen respond to domestic violences and take a bullet for the team. Many soldiers have fallen, and their graves are littered around this country so that you and I could meet freely and pray and worship the Lord. But what did Jesus do? He left heaven. And he came and he took the form of a man. And he gave up a lot to do that. And the body that went in the tomb is the body that came out of the tomb. Because we have read in the Gospel of John when they, they said, are you a ghost? He said, no, no, I am flesh and blood. Yes, I've got a glorified body, but I've got my body. 
And Jesus, uh, John says in Revelation, Behold, I saw the Lamb as it had been slain. What's incredible is there's a man in heaven. When Jesus loves, he left a position of power and comfort to wash our feet. He left glory and splendor so that he could walk amongst us in the dirt and our sweat. And so when we love, if we're going to love like Jesus, we had better make sure we, we love not from a position of comfort. If that's the only way we love people is from comfort, then perhaps we're not loving as much as we should. So if there's anything we need to learn today, if there's anything that I hope in my own preparation and studies as we're reflecting on this passage, this new commandment, let us love in the way Jesus, our Messiah, has loved. He came down to, from heaven to teach us about this. We knew he was going to. We had the histories that he would do this. We can, we can cross the borders and touch Gentiles. We can go to people whom perhaps we don't like. We can eat with them and fellowship with them and love in an unconditional way. We, we, we know that eventually heaven and earth meet. So, so let's not hold on to this as though it's going to stay here for, for forever. God's going to renew it all. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. He will rebuild broken families. He will mend broken hearts. He will wipe those tears away and he will chase death forever. Bind him up in the pit. And it's always, always in community. When we love, we can't do it sitting under a tree or by ourselves. We've got to get in there and be salt and light to the nations. We do it as a group. We journey with him and we journey with each other. The love of God renews and it makes new. It reminds us of the story we already knew, and it restores whenever we fell down. It chases away fear, and it never, never fails. And oh my gosh, that is good news. Brothers and sisters, our King is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us love like him unconditionally, not from comfort, with the power of the Holy Spirit, in a new family of Jews and Gentiles, looking forward to when the kingdom of heaven and earth finally meet and death is chased away. The victory is his. Let's live in his victory. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.